You're listening to the Premier Podcast Network. Foundation Radio is brought to you by 10th Ward Barbershop. Serving the historic 10th Ward in downtown Lawrenceville, 10th Ward Barbershop is a full-service barbershop offering quality haircuts, beard trims, and hot shaves. Adam gets his hair and beard trimmed by the owner of the shop, Ryan Kane, and he loves the laser point precision cuts and lineup he provides to him and countless other satisfied customers. But you don't have to take Adam's word for it. WWE superstars Corey Graves and The Fiend Bray Wyatt frequent 10th Ward for all their hair and beard trimming needs. Right now, all all cuts and trims are by appointment only. So head over to their website at 10thwardbarbershop.com and book your appointment now with Kane, Jordan, and the rest of the team at 10th Ward Barbershop. That's 10thwardbarbershop.com. And we thank them for supporting the podcast. Foundation Radio is brought to you by The Dugout. The Dugout provides custom quality apparel at an affordable price. Modern style mixed with classic designs, you'll find retro t-shirts brought into the 21st century. Adam has several of his favorite t-shirts in rotation from the team at The Dugout, including customized Dudley Boys, Prince and the Revolution, and the Notorious B.I.G. t-shirts. Right now, if you purchase your items through their Etsy site and use promo code FOUNDATION, you'll receive 15% off your entire order. That's right, 15% off your entire order. Follow them on Instagram at the dugout brand follow the link on their etsy shop and use your promo code foundation for 15 percent off your entire order the dugout custom quality apparel at an affordable price Cordelia, welcome to Foundation Radio. How are you? I am doing well. How's it going, Adam? Oh, it's you know it's going. It's um it's a rainy day here in Pittsburgh, but I know that you live in Philadelphia right now, so I wore my Four Seasons Total Landscaping shirt <laughs> as a way to rep my home city. How is Philly? Yeah, it's I'm about twenty minutes outside, but I may as well be in Philadelphia. It really doesn't feel like the burbs, but um it's the same thing. We have like a a deluge of just torrential rain for about like 10 minutes and then it just stopped. So yeah, it's good times. <laughs> you know, we had the same issue here in Pittsburgh. Uh, it rained so hard. It actually leaked into my office and it was, uh, Oh no, it was unbelievable. I mean, I got out of work a little bit early, so that was rad, but like, you know, it's just, you know, Pittsburgh is, uh, is not Philly, but it, it'll do for now. I can't wait to be back there. Um, how are, uh, how is life now? Um, that the world is sort of opening up again. How is Philly and how are the burbs? What's uh, what's doing out there? Wow. So, I mean, it's funny you say that because I was just in uh, North Jersey in New York over the 4th of July weekend and my birthday was a few days ago. So I went to like reunite with friends that I haven't seen since the start of lockdown for the pandemic. And it was, I, I went through a range of emotions because I was excited to see everyone and to be back out of state. Um, but at the same time, I was a little nervous. I'm not going to lie because I haven't taken any sort of public transportation for about like almost two years. 
years. So, and New York public transportation is a whole beast in and of itself. So I went underground for the first time in forever, but it was cool. Like everyone really, to be quite honest, everyone was wearing their mask. Folks were actually really to themselves and on their best behavior. And for New York subway, that is, um, that is quite a miracle. So <laughs> it was cool. Like it, it's, and as for Philly, it's pretty much the same thing. I mean, I, it's half and half. People are, are really starting to um, find themselves again, if that makes sense. But at the same time, there's also a lot of people that don't know how to act in public. I, I'm not trying to be rude, but it's, it's weird. It's, it's kind of like, we haven't seen a whole bunch of people in such a long time, strangers and non-strangers. How do I, how do I act in public again? It's just a little bit of awkwardness all around. So <laughs> we're all just taking baby steps, but it's cool. Like it's, you know, I'm just happy that things are opening back up again. And, and it's, it's amazing. It's really great. And the weather itself is, is the same. It's just, we were talking about, you know, sinuses and everything. And I think our bodies, don't know what to do with themselves because <laughs> we're just being attacked on all fronts. We're literally just so being bombarded with everything all the time. Yeah, 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 pretty much. It just feels like we're getting our, our sea legs again in, in so many different ways, but it's, you know, that's life to be quite honest. It's just change is, change is inevitable. So here we go, a new chapter. And I'm excited to be back in public too. I know it sounds weird because I'm an introvert. So I'm, you know, I'm a latchkey kid from the nineties. Like when the pandemic first started, I was like, this is rad, right? I'll be in the <laughs> basement. Like I grew up in every summer. I stayed in the basement for like three weeks, came up to get like a Mountain Dew refill, had, you know, like I am prepped for this. I did not prep to be at home for 18 months. And I'm just like, oh my God, I'm just freaking out. Right. But what's awesome, pro wrestling is what we're here to talk about today. And pro wrestling is back. And fans are back. And how do you feel? Have you been to a live event yet? Are you going to a live event? And are you excited as excited as I am? Oh gosh, I'm super excited. It's I was watching uh, bits and pieces of All Elite Wrestling uh, last night, and I think that I don't know if that was the first time. I believe they. I mean, it was filled to capacity, and just seeing that on TV really, I was so hyped. I was like, "Oh my gosh, I can't wait to be back." at shows because you could feel the electricity you could feel people just being so happy to be around others who love wrestling and i have not been to an event since the pandemic started um but i do have plans slowly but surely to get back out there um both as a fan but also to work i'm really jazzed about things that are up and coming and um yeah i'm super stoked i'm really really happy for wrestling to fully be back i'm i'm just I can't express it further. <laughs> I feel like the same way, though. I feel, you know, a lot of the same emotions. You know, I, I remember watching WrestleMania 37, I feel like was the first time for me that I watched something and it was like, wow, this is amazing that fans are back, you know, missing that element because really the fans are a part of the show in a lot of ways. They they dictate who's going to be where and who's over and who's not and what's working and what isn't. And I feel like maybe that's been the drawback for even some things with AEW for me and my and my personal preference is there's something missing for me. There's an element missing. And that's not to say that I hate it. It's just maybe I just miss it because there's nothing happening, right? There's no fan interaction. And I think it's really exciting to see that come back. But Candice, I want to ask you, because I always ask everybody the same question. I know where my love of wrestling started. Where did your love of pro wrestling start? 
Oh, goodness. It's my story is so odd, I guess, compared to perhaps others that you've interviewed. But mine started not that long ago. Um, I want to say 20 between 2015, 2016. Um, I'm fairly new to everything. But in some respects, I feel like an old head, I guess. I don't know if the business ages you in some way, <laughs> but it's my story is really wild. So basically, um, I had moved to New York uh, around that time, 2015, because I have a background in entertainment and acting. So before I even was in uh, the wrestling industry, I did a ton of acting. Um, I did some modeling here and there in the Pennsylvania area. And then um, I had an agent. I actually had about two different agents in Pennsylvania. Uh, the first one that I signed to, I was with them for quite some time. And then I decided, uh, like most actors do, you know, let's take the plunge and move to New York City and see what we can make of ourselves. You know, you know, small fish in a big pond type thing. Um, but I've always been that type of person where it's like, you know, you got to you got to take the plunge with things. You just got to go. So I made that. A choice to move to New York. And it's only about two hours away from Philadelphia. So really, and I've been to New York so many times just with friends and stuff, you know, in, in high school. So it wasn't, it wasn't something where I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be this small girl in a big town. What do I do with myself? Type thing. <laughs> so I moved to New York to do that. Um, but of course, you know, you need money. So I went through the rigmarole of, you know, finding a job and, and doing the shoot job thing, which has nothing to do with, you know, the, the dream job. Right. So, um, and funny enough, I had in the throes of, of going through that and finding a real job, I had kind of abandoned acting and it happens, you know, you get so caught up in just surviving that unfortunately the reason you move to a certain place, it just, it, kind of gets overshadowed by survival and living real life. So um, having said that, you know, I went through a couple of jobs and one of them um, actually was aligned with what I'm doing now, which is hosting and interviewing, but it was uh, more so on the entertainment and business spectrum. Uh, so I found a job, which was, it was an awesome job. It didn't last long, but it was uh, right in the heart of Times Square. And uh, I was there, you know, maybe just a few weeks in and I had met a colleague there that was really into wrestling. And it was funny to me because at the time I was like, I didn't even know that WWE was still around because I really didn't have anyone in my social circle that was into wrestling. Um, growing up, I knew people in my family and in school that were into wrestling. And, you know, I, I grew, grew up knowing about, you know, Hulk Hogan and, and Macho Man Randy Savage. It, it wasn't completely out of my depth. But at the same time, you know, 2015, 2016, I was like, WWE? Who Who is still even in WWE now? What's going on? And this person that I met was so enraptured by wrestling that I love meeting people that are passionate about things. So I, in turn, you know, I was very curious. I was like, well, who's, what's going on? Who's wrestling now? And that's when I fell, you know, headfirst into WWE and wrestling. And I watched uh, a few, I can't even remember the first episode that I watched, but to be quite honest, it was a mixture of Total Divas, which I also didn't know existed. So I ended up watching Total Divas and watching, you know, Raw at the time. And then it was like, oh, SmackDown, there's two different shows. Like what's happening? I thought it was just one flagship show. Come to find out there's all these other shows and it's this big thing. 
and E is in on it. So I'm, you know, watching Total Divas. And that's when I really fell in love with wrestling because it, I had never seen a show that was focused on female wrestlers and their day-to-day -day struggles with both navigating life as a wrestler, but also navigating life as, you know, a wife or a girlfriend or being out in the world trying to do other things. It was so fascinating to me. And I love E. I've grown up watching E and wanting to be like Maria Menounos and, and Juliana Rancic. So it was like, yes, this, these are all my favorite things. Like this is it. So I was watching Total Divas. I was watching Raw. I was getting into like John Cena and the Bella Twins and Sasha. I remember watching Sasha and, and Charlotte and getting into that whole feud. And I was like, yo, this is amazing. Like I didn't even know I didn't even know this is what WWE had come to be. And that's really when my love for it, you know, kickstarted. And even going further, I remember watching my first pay-per-view. I had no idea. I mean, I grew up knowing about Mean Gene. You know, a lot of us, even if we weren't into wrestling, we know who Mean Gene was. Like, he was everywhere. Little did I know that there were, you know, female backstage interviewers. And I see, you know, Renee Young. And I was like, what in the world is happening? Like, this is a whole new universe like i cannot believe and as soon as i saw renee young and i saw what she was doing it took maybe one whole minute and i was like i'm sold i'm gonna do what renee young does i'm gonna have her job one day i was like this is it for me this is this is it for me you're so forever you're hooked for life yeah, for life i really was it really got me and it was it's just a mixture of everything because it's not just the wrestling it's like you know, it literally is the sports and the entertainment and being having been a theater kid and having been someone that was into acting, I was like, Yo, they have writing and there's the theatrics to it and there's pyrotechnics and they have these amazing looking outfits, this gear. It, it just everything about it. I was like, this is it. I'm done. <laughs> Where do I sign up? <laughs> and thus my love was born. And that's when, you know, me being the ambitious person that I am, I was like, I'm going to find a way to interview wrestlers. I don't know how, but I started asking around and that's when I got into the indie circuit, which is a whole other, whole other bag. Well, I, it's, it's, it's amazing that you mentioned Renee Young, because I know that, you know, just kind of getting briefed on you and, and, and reading some things that you've done, you used to work for ABC radio. So you do have a background in broadcasting and in journalism. So I feel like that already puts you a step ahead of the game. How? Uh, what was that like? Because it looks like you did some stuff with the online urban music news. Is that correct? Yes, you're absolutely right. So it's it's out of control because now the universe really works in mysterious ways, I feel. And I do have an acting background, but also because I had to put food on the table. I had always been doing journalism. I'd always led a double life where it was like I'm doing the shoot job, but I'm also doing something that has to do with performance and journalism and I had I've always been a writer to be quite honest um, but my my love of journalism and working in the field led up to working first it was for New York Daily News um, at some point a few that was that was around the time that I moved to New York as well um, back and forth so around 2016 to 2017 I'd ended up getting a job at New York Daily News and then um, eventually ABC Radio and I'd also done some work for like Entertainment Tonight Online and a few other uh, online outlets but ABC Radio um, really sharpened my skills because I was placed within uh, what they term urban music uh, so that pretty much has to do with like R&B, rap, hip-hop, 
uh, that genre and uh, not only interviewing uh, musicians, but also I had the chance to interview celebrities, celebrities that were on television or film. Um, so I was pretty much thrown into uh, working in that type of environment which it was awesome, um, mainly because as I stated, it really sharpened my tools. Like you really had to be a one uh, person show. Um, and the job entailed of me being an audio producer, but I was also in studio interviewing celebrities. And then I had to rush back to my desk and cut the audio, send the audio out to, uh, you know, our in-house people so that they can also check it. So we had the editor um, to look over the piece that I wrote to complement the audio, but our interviews were actually sourced out to national radio affiliates. So um, there were different radio stations that would pick up our stories. And um, I never really knew, no one ever really knew which radio stations were picking our stuff up. We just knew that our content was being used. Um, but then at some point we also had some of our interviews live streamed because there were times where we had some really prominent guests that we could actually get in the studio. So, um, I mean, I had interviewed people that I grew up listening to, like Latoya Luckett from, uh, formerly from Destiny's Child, Keith Sweat. I mean, at one point I interviewed Snoop Dogg and I actually, yeah, and it wasn't in person which bummed me. I was like, Aww. I want to meet him. But he was, in, he was, I think he was in LA, but it was like a phone interview. And it was still cool because he literally is the same person. He's just like, yeah, I'm Snoop Dogg. And I can't even remember, I don't think I had enough time to ask him about Sasha Banks because I really wanted to put that in with my content. But I was just, at the time I was like, I'm, I'm here interviewing Snoop Dogg. I, you know, it is what it is. But um, it was great experience just meeting everyone in studio. And it, it teaches you to be really quick and on your toes. And I think because uh, folks might think, oh, well, if it's radio, audio, you can just kind of slouch around it. And I'm like, no, it's really hard. Like, it, you know, it, being on camera is one thing, but audio, it's, you really have to learn how to be brief and also be engaging. And uh, I mean, if you have other skills that you can use like audio production, editing, I mean, that's just even more of a benefit for you. Um, but it, I, I liked it, it was great. I just, at the time I was there for about three, I think it was three years. And then I moved back to Pennsylvania because I actually, I needed a break from the hustle and bustle of New York and everything. Um, but the time that I had there was just, I, uh, to be quite honest, it's one of those jobs that really it honed everything that I do today. I can account or attribute it to things that I learned at ABC um, and being in that pressure cooker environment because it is a pressure cooker <laughs> environment. It's not. I was just going to confirm that. I mean, it's, it's, and you know, when we sit here and I do a podcast and you know, I, I, I talk to people in long form every week, almost hopefully every, continuing to do that long, you know, long term. but being in radio and especially something as big and as like a, like a gargantuan system as ABC radio, that's an extremely different beast. Anybody could sit in front of a microphone like I do and sit here and, and jabber on for an hour and a half. But being in a position like what you're in, taking this audio, running back, I mean, it's just like people don't understand sort of the pressure, which causes a lot of burnout in entertainment. You know, I have friends who are in the entertainment field who've worked in radio, who no longer work in radio because of the same things that you're talking about. So it's amazing. Now, I have to ask real quick. This is sort of an off topic thing. How amazing was Keith Sweat? Oh, he was so cool. He was really, there were some people that I I knew they would be chill, but when you actually meet them in person, you're just like, you're, you're a normal person. You just have this extraordinary talent that you've managed to, you know, 
gift us with which is amazing but he he was so chill he's <laughs> i've met a lot of chill people but he he definitely sticks out in my mind as someone who you know you could have a coffee with or just like right sit he's very laid back and listen keith yeah. sweat is the gift that keeps on giving like that <laughs> that that keith sweat with the the twisted record and uh nobody that album just chef's kiss. It's just fantastic. So anyway, I digress. I digress. I'm a big Keith Sweat fan. But um, so you you leave ABC Radio and then tell me about the transition from ABC Radio to the indie scene. How did that happen for you? Well, I was actually doing both at the same time. So I was working my tail off. Um, I would do... I That's okay. I I That's all right. Let's go. Um, what we'll do is we'll go back to the question. I'll ask the question so I have a clean, a clean cut. Yeah. So tell me. So you, you, you're in the pressure cooker environment of ABC Radio. You leave, and you decide. Tell me about the transition between ABC Radio and the indie scene. How does that happen for you? Yeah, sure. So I was working both scenes at the same time. So I, like I stated earlier, I've always ended up living a double life, and this was another example of. literally living a double life. So I would go Monday through Friday working for ABC. And then Saturdays, I would hit the indie market. And I was living in North Jersey at the time. Um, So I was working with a promotion that was stationed in uh, Hoboken. Uh, At the time, it was called Capital Wrestling. And I was working in Hoboken with them. And it wasn't, to be quite honest, I even though my Monday through Fridays were really hectic, I loved when Friday evening would come right before a show. I'd be like, yes, it's my time to like be in a different universe and to be in wrestling and to just enjoy myself. And it never really felt like work to me. Um, it was just a matter of really uh, learning about what to do in terms of learning, you know, words and phrases and things of that nature and how certain things work within wrestling and in terms of what my job was, which was doing the interviews, whether it was backstage or in ring. Um, But I loved being able to like step away from work, my day job. And then on Saturdays, the Saturdays that we did run, it was like, yes, I get to go to Hoboken and it's going to be fun. And um, it there, that was really the only transition because everything else in terms of knowing my mark uh the interviewing i'm not trying i'm not trying to big myself up it's just i already knew what to do in those in those stages it was just making sure that i knew what the storylines were and i knew exactly who i was talking to and what the scene would call for at the time and also in saying that i really pulled for my acting experience too because it is in a way i was doing the journalism but i was also acting there were certain times where i just I was a character in a sense. Um, So even with that, I made sure to do a lot of homework and I would go home and I would also try to read up on as much as I could, whether it was online, just in terms of wrestling in general, wrestling history. And there's still so much that I have to learn. But um, at the time, I was just kind of giving myself a crash course into, (laughs) you know, what wrestling is and the indie circuit, I, I, it was another case of where I had no idea, to be quite honest, what I was getting myself into because I didn't know, I didn't know anything about independent wrestling, and I come from a wrestling city. I mean, I grew up in Philly, and I didn't even know anything about the ECW arena. And I know people will look at me and be like, "What? How did you grow up in Philly and didn't know anything?" I'm like, "I didn't. I just, it wasn't in my 
my world. It just wasn't a part of my world at all at the time. So, right. Cause if yeah. you don't, if you're not watching and you're not actively knowing about it, then how would you know? I mean, there's a lot right. of stuff. I've been a wrestling fan since like I was four or five, right. It's almost 30 years ago now. I, there are still wrestling promotions from back in the eighties and the seventies. I have no clue what they yeah. did. You know, I'm still learning. I think it, and, and it's one thing to remember too, Candace, as you, as you sort of like still dive into this world, there's so much. It's just that, you know, when they say the universe, like that's really what it is. It's this gigantic nexus of information that's out there and things yeah. that you may, you thought you knew and you didn't know. Yeah. And it's, it's one of the things that actually bonded my myself and my dad together because he growing up when I was getting more into this industry and doing more uh with the interviewing I would tell my dad you know this is what I'm doing so forth and so on and then all of a sudden out of the blue he's like oh did you know that your aunt so-and-so was into wrestling and she would always go to shows or did you know that your uncle was in and I'm like you never told me this stuff growing up thanks for sharing dad yeah Right. He told me all these family members that were like in like hardcore into wrestling. He's like, you know, I had uh, you. You have an aunt that is that was really like she was really into wrestling. She would get up on Saturday mornings and watch the shows and she would go to the shows. And I was like, I had no clue. So it's kind <laughs> of in my blood in some sense. It's it's there. But um, I've even gotten him into it. Like now that I'm doing this, he's like, yeah, so I was watching SmackDown the other day or I was watching, who are those two guys? I was watching uh, Raw, I think Profits. Who? And I was like, oh, the show Profits? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I love those guys. <laughs> Who doesn't, Dad? Yeah, they're amazing. They're fantastic. They're great mic workers, and they're great workers in the ring, Dad. Duh. It's awesome. And the same thing with my mom. She'll walk past and see me uh, watching, you know, it could be anything from AEW to WWE, and she just always happens to catch me watching a woman's match. It just, I don't know why, but she just happens to catch me at those times, and she's always like, she'll stop and stare and be like, is that real? Are they really... Is what is going on? Is, is she really pushing her leg back like that? Like, <laughs> it's it's amazing, though. It is. It's amazing what you can do and how that bond happens. You know, I mean, I have three kids. My daughter now, Sophie, she's three and she's just really into it right now. Really loves the women's matches. And it's a much different scene than it ever was, right? You know, but her favorite wrestler right now is Bianca Belair. She loves every time she's on the screen. Her face just lights up huge when she's there. And I just I think it's fantastic, not just because of the fact that I get to share this lifelong like obsession and love of pro wrestling with my kids, but also that my daughter can see someone on, on TV and be like, yeah, I can do that someday. You know, seeing a a role model, a real life role model on TV and be like, yeah, I can definitely do that someday. I just think it's amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 really amazing. You're right. It, it is amazing that we can bond with our family through wrestling. I just never thought that I would be bonding with my family <laughs> on the phone with your dad talking about the street profits. Yeah, you never thought that was going to be a conversation, never right? Happened in my life, but I know I went off on a tangent um, about the indie scene. So but, yeah, so let's yeah. yeah let's talk about that a little bit because I know it looks like right around the time things were going well, and then the pandemic hit and everything kind of yeah. hit the skids, right? So yeah. tell me a little bit about that transition, that like how you did it, because I know how we all did it over here on Foundation Radio. <laughs> Everyone just went virtual, and that was the end. Um, how did it? So tell me about the transition from being in person to then you know virtual. Sure. It was the same exact thing. So, um, yeah, we were, I was doing a lot, it, at least once a month, um, 
you know, I was doing shows and going out in terms of, you know, to the actual venues and seeing people. And then I had stuck with the, with the one promotion for so long with Capital. And then eventually I ended up uh, making connections and, and the ball really started to get rolling. So I found myself um, working at other shows, for instance, for Battle Club Pro, uh, Keystone Championship Wrestling. And then I ended up doing a bunch of shows with Evolve, which was fantastic when they were running in Queens. Um, and then also uh, GoPro. I think GoPro Wrestling was my last in-person. Uh, it was either GoPro or Keystone, one of them. But um. Yeah, I really was, it was at the point where I was like, okay, I see this for what it is. I want to get out and do more. Um, and it was only at, for the time being Northeast, the Northeast area. I hadn't even cracked, you know, any other areas in terms of like the South or the Midwest or the West Coast. But right before the pandemic hit, I said to myself, I do actually want to start traveling to other places in the country because there's a lot happening. And uh, as I was told, there always seems to be trends. So at the time when I started, the Northeast was hot. Like there were just in New York and New Jersey area alone, there was so much going on. And I wasn't really, I, I just saw a little kernel of what was happening. And just as when I was, you know, getting uh, my feet further wet, I was thinking, oh, I want to work here. I want to work there. I want to work there because there was just so much um, happening on a, on a, every weekend on a weekly basis. Um, and then, you know, I also wanted to definitely hit the South because I think the South at the time was really, it, it was, it was getting somewhere. I started hearing certain names in certain places that uh, I made a, my my bucket list or my dream list of, of places I wanted to work with. And then the pandemic hit. Um, and to be quite honest, I'm so used to pivoting and changing up. It, just coming from entertainment and coming from journalism, it's like there's always something to happen. So you have to be ready to, to act on the fly and really um, anticipate things. And I, my instincts, I always can kind of tell when right before something hits if I should go in a different direction. So um, it really was a twofold thing too, because then speaking out happened and then it was the pandemic. So right, those are the right. Things at the same time. Um, and around the end of, I want to say 20, I think that was 2019, I was already in my mind thinking of uh, the next steps that I wanted, where I wanted to take my career. Then lockdown happened and I was like, okay, it's time to go virtual because I just saw that was what everyone was doing. And um, I had done virtual before, I just hadn't done it on a regular basis. So um, I and I was also getting back into acting as well. So at the time when lockdowns were definite, I was being told um, through certain virtual classes that I was taking and, and getting guidance through acting to, you know, get uh, a light, you know, a stand, um, make sure that you have a background. This is why I have the blue background, um, which will change. But uh, the coach that I had at the time, the broadcasting coach, they, you know, they stated to me, make sure you have a professional looking background because this is pretty much going to be the future, even when quarantine is done. Uh, and it's true because a lot of things now, even in the acting world, everything has gone virtual from auditions to classes. So, um, and people are noticing that you don't have to live in New York and you don't have to live in, in Georgia or LA to even audition or to even get a job. So to be quite honest, the game has significantly changed and it's even more, the competition is fierce. So you have to be ready you have to have your whole in-home studio on the fly. So I pretty much had to make my own in-home studio. 
Um, and I just, I started doing things on my own and utilizing the context that I had to start doing uh, interviews. But then I thought to myself, you know, I want to align myself with brands um, that I feel uh, I could work well with and that I feel I we could have a synergistic relationship where I can bring wrestling to their brand because a lot of the brands that I approached at the first at the forefront they weren't even doing wrestling content so I'm always of the mindset where um, if there's a lane that isn't made for me I'm going to make it for myself um, so I was working first with a website called Double G Sports, which is now called In The Zone. Um, I started doing a ton of wrestling content for them and it just started with writing. I was doing writing content. Um, I did some MMA content for them as well, a little bit of boxing. But then I thought to myself, I want to do more video. Why am I not doing more video content for these places? So besides the writing, I started doing more audio and video and everything from what I was doing, it just really slowly snowballed to the point where people started approaching me um, because I had also received a new position part-time uh, writing for bustle.com, which is an entertainment and lifestyle website. Um, it's on the same vein as like Refinery29, if people are familiar with BuzzFeed. So I started writing for them, definitely. And people were reading my stuff. Like when I write, I don't know who's reading what I'm writing, um, but I started getting approached from folks and they were like, you know, we see what you're doing. Would you like to write for us? Or would you um, like to do interviews for us? And I mean, that's really how um, my relationship with Pro Wrestling Illustrated started. And with that, I mean, I had approached PWI actually when I first started in this industry. It's something that a lot of people don't know, but I um, was approaching so many folks to do content for them and I would either get a yes or a no. So at the time for PWI, I got a no and I was like, okay, that's cool. And <laughs> <laughs> been there, I've been there. Yep. It's no. hard. It sucks. Yep. But hey, keep it moving. You gotta keep it moving. So I was like, all right, it's not a no, it's just a not right now. So it'll it'll come back. And sure enough, I, you know, I've been talking uh with Kevin over at PWI and he was reading my content. And he was like, you know, I I like what I'm reading, and that's how that relationship started. Next thing I know, I'm interviewing Jade Cargill from AEW, um, who was amazing. She's she's phenomenal. And I interviewed her and I, I have an article, um, a feature article in the latest issue, which will be out on the 13th. So you guys should pick it up. Um, and if you're not I, reading I PWI too, if you're not reading pro wrestling illustrated, you're, you're doing yourself a disservice. Shout out to front of the show, Kevin McElvaney, by the way, it's, I love every, every month I pick it up. I cannot wait to read your article. Yes, please do. It's, I, I have it. I have a copy and it's just seeing it in print. I'm old school. Like I, everything is digital now, but as a writer, honestly, every writer wants to see their name in actual print. I don't care what anyone tells me. I don't care if you're like, oh yeah, it's digital now. No, every writer I know wants to see their name at least once in print, whether it's a magazine, newspaper, or book. These so are the facts. Name, These are the facts. True. So to see my name in PWI like that, I was just like, this is, I never it's just a complete full circle moment for me. And to have it be a feature on Jade, it, it was like, I'm looking at it and I'm just like, this is amazing. I, and I showed my mom and she's like, you need, you need an agent. Like, I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> Mom's like, making the moves for you now. Right? She's got it. She's on it for you. Oh, my mom does not play. She's like, <laughs> you should call up um, 
uh, the Kardashians. I remember when you, like, you need to call up a Chris Kardashian and see if she can help you. Yeah, <laughs> Mom, you're right. I have her number right on my cell phone here. I actually was just getting ready to put you called. So now you interrupted. So now I can't call her. So thanks. Yeah. No, totally. Yeah. I, I mean, look, I get it, Candace. I'm a writer too. I uh, I wrote in high school and I, I wrote for the newspaper back home and I still write. Uh, I do some things here and there, but there is absolutely nothing more exciting than seeing your name printed yeah. somewhere, whether it's a magazine or a physical newspaper, something that you wrote and invest in your time in is just, it's, it's, it's it, you can't explain it, right? As a creative, yeah. like we know what that feels like, but not everybody does, but it's amazing. I'm, I'm sort of listening to the story and I'm thinking about all of the things that you've done in really such a short period of time. And it's really impressive. Like you have a really impressive. And the other thing you, I was going to mention here too, about PWI is that you just did an interview with uh, Jazzy Gabbard, who was a WWE, former WWE pro wrestler. And it's the highest viewed, highest rated video on PWI's channel, on their YouTube channel. I mean, that's that's going to be a feather in your cap, right? Dude, I, <laughs> I remember. <laughs> Dude, yes. Yeah, like a few days ago, um, Kevin hit me up and he's, he, I mean, he was really excited. He looked at the footage and he was like, this is excellent. And I could tell he couldn't wait to put it up on the channel. I didn't know what numbers it would hit because first of all, YouTube is such a crapshoot to begin with. It's like, you don't know what numbers you're going to get with anything. But I came to Kevin first and foremost for, in terms of the YouTube uh, content, I looked at what they had previously and I said, Kevin, this is my forte. And I really think um, we can do something here. I think that PWI could truly benefit from having new content, new video content on the channel. There's no reason why we can't do this because PWI in and of itself in wrestling is such a highly regarded brand name. So I'm willing to be that person to step it up and say, I will do video content for you. And um, I'd already had Jazzy uh, in my um in my emails, like we had been talking for a while, we were trying to sync up a time to uh, get this interview going. And, and at the time it was actually gonna be for another outlet, but then things changed and I started rearranging things. Um, I actually had to you know, say no to some folks that I was already working with because I was like, you know what? I really see something here that could be huge. I just didn't know how big it would be, but Jazzy is, I mean, she's a phenomenal person. She's been with, WWE, the things that she's doing outside of WWE should, the story should be told because she's doing a lot that I don't know how many people are aware of, but um, post pandemic, I think it's going to blow up for her. So I just trusted my instinct. And I said, I already have this, you know, kind of percolating. I think it would actually be much more uh, workable with PWI's video interview. He was down. I interviewed her. And then next thing I know, Kevin is hitting me up and he's like, oh yeah, the numbers, you know, the, the interview has done really well by a huge, he said a huge margin. I was thinking, oh, okay, like, you know, maybe 500. That's not to knock PWI or my talents, but just like I said, YouTube, you, know, you don't know. So literally, I think later that day, cause I was running errands, he told me this in the morning and I hadn't checked until about like four or five o'clock. Next thing I know, the video has over 5,000 views and wow. I'm sitting there like, wait, what? Whoa. <laughs> Wait, Kevin, run that, run those numbers by me one more time, pal. For one more time. Double check, and I was like, "Oh wow!" <laughs> <laughs> and I like, I, I was just so excited, and I said to myself, "I knew, I just trusted my instinct because I knew that it would, 
it would be of a benefit for their brand and for their video. And I was like, okay, we're going to run with this. I'm, I'm now I know I was like, here's the numbers, Kevin, (laughs) just let you know. Thanks for trusting me. And also Kevin, you're welcome. And, you know, I was like, like not trusting me, which I really appreciate because yeah. it's, it's a leap. And I think a lot of people in this industry, you know, you pitch yourself so much to so many different folks. You don't, you just want to work. You know that you believe in yourself and you want others to believe in you too. But from the other side and the other perspective, I know that it can be a bit, um, I don't knock people for being a little bit apprehensive because this this business in and of itself is hard enough. People have been told things, false promises, you don't know what you're getting, so forth and so on. I believe in myself, but you have to really work hard to show other people why you're valuable and why they should believe in you too. And um you know, any type of success that I have, it's I'm grateful. I'm just grateful for it because I know it's hard. It's not it's not easy. And I, like I said, I didn't know what I was getting myself into when I jumped into wrestling and I really had to just learn as much as I possibly could. Um, and the Indies can be shark infested waters. Like you don't know what you're getting yourself into right, right. until you're in it, but you really have to trust your instinct, trust your gut and trust your talent. And it's hard to do those things. If you've been in so many different situations where it's like, like I said, the false promises, people tell you one thing, they do another, you know, um, this, this success seems like it came out of nowhere and that it was very in a short period of time. But in my mind, it seems like I've been doing, trying to get to this certain point for like 10 years or something. Like it just, it, it just feels like it's been such an uphill battle. But now it's like, all right, I'm at this point and I'm not done yet. There's so many more things I want to accomplish. Um, so I'm like, all right, this is where we are like that. Those numbers on YouTube really lit more of a fire under my butt if there wasn't a fire already. And now I'm really just like this. I, I don't I don't care who wants to hate on it or what they want to say. I, I believe in myself and I know I know who I am. I know my talents and it's time to like really get the ball yeah. rolling. So I'm like in it like there. I can't really go back. Now. No, there's no, there's no, you've kicked the door down no completely now, now, Candace. There's no going back now. Now, now with 5,000 views on that video. Now you're going to go higher than that. And I want to, I want to kind of go back a little bit and touch on something that you, you mentioned about being in this industry and, and a lot of the false promises and things that people tell you and trusting your instincts. I mean, you know, this industry hasn't really been friendly forever to women and also specifically people of color. So being from both of those worlds and then being now a success, arguably a success in such a short period of time, that's a really big deal. I mean, you know, we're talking about a timeline of things that have happened in wrestling. You know, not that long ago, I couldn't have imagined two women of color headlining night one of WrestleMania for a major championship belt. And to me, that's just it's incredible. It speaks to the level of uh, diversity and change that is happening inside, whether or not you can attest that to speaking out or, uh, you know, just the cultural and societal changes that happened, the necessary cultural and societal changes that happened last year. Um, how does that as a woman of color make you feel when you see these, these changes, uh, and then just seeing almost as if you're in the ground floor, not just as a person of color, but also as a woman, like, what is that? What is that like for you? Look, I, I have two parents. My, my dad is from, 
Philadelphia. My mom is not from this country. She's from, uh, she was born in St. Vincent in the Grenadines, which is in the Caribbean. And she grew up in uh, Trinidad and Tobago. She emigrated here um, when she was, you know, in her late twenties, early thirties. So I grew up with um, two parents, but especially my mom, where it was like, you have to work hard. You know, there's, and that's just any kid from, you know, a West Indian family will tell you, like, you grow up just being told you you have to work hard. You can't really slack on anything. Um, that puts a lot of pressure on you at a young age, but at the same time, it you feel a certain like like I've always kind of grown up feeling like I I owe it to my ancestors. If you want to get spiritual with it for a minute, like I owe it to my ancestors to really um, make a mark in this world in a certain way. And when I was younger, I thought that mark would be in acting like that's really what I, I just knew at a young age that I would be performing in some way and writing and I don't know where that comes from but I just instinctually for like a really young age like three four like I just knew and um growing up I've always had obstacles and for me I've I've really always had the personality where it's like I gotta keep going and I once again I don't know where that comes from but I've just always had this innate drive to just do things like to do what I do because I really didn't want to um, look back at my life when I'm like 80, 90, 100 if I'm blessed to get to that age and think, oh, I wanted to do all these things, but I was too scared to do it or too like, you know, just too down on myself to do these things. It's like, no, you have one life to live. Just live it the way you want to live it. You know, if you want to jump and and I've always been attracted to industries where Black women especially just haven't been welcomed. So when I got to wrestling, it was just like, oh, another obstacle here. Like what's, what's uh, to be quite honest, I've always been into things where uh, stereotypically I was told indirectly or directly that Black people are not welcome. Like I always grew up listening to rock music. I always was in schools where I was either the only black person, much less black woman in a class, or, you know, the one out of maybe five black people in a class. That's been my like existence since <laughs> elementary school. So by the time I got to wrestling, it was just like, it just, uh, unfortunately, and it sucks to say this, it just looked like every other period of my life. So it does to me as a black, woman it's like oh I have to I have to show people that black women can be in this space okay because I've done it for all other periods of my life you know to the point where people like it's funny because I feel like people don't know what to do with me I don't know if that's because they've never met someone like me who's into the things that I'm into or who is of the personality or countenance that I have, but I just laugh at it now because I'm like, I've always been this way. This is always, I've always been me. Nothing about me is different. I'm just in a completely different industry, but I will navigate it. So <laughs> I just, I'm still here. I'm still here. So yeah. And I'm, I'm here for other black women that, you know, if they want to do what I do, I say, go for it. Like, don't be scared because no matter what, you're always going to have someone telling you, you can't do something. You're it's never going to end. So it's like, if you're going to, if you're going to hate on me like this, then I'm just going to stay here and just do what I do. Like there's nothing, 
my work speaks for itself. So I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. And that's, that's, that's ultimately at the end of the day, what it's about, right? Like your work, your body of work speaks for itself and no one can ever take that away from you. And I'm, I'm hyped every time I I, like this, this, this primer that you sent over, it's just, it's incredible. (laughs) Like I, I, like you are doing, you are living the life that I want to live. And I'm just so impressed by you and, and all of the things that you've done. So I am very excited for all of the things coming down the line for you right now. And I'm, I'm, I'm just, I, I can't express enough how, how amazing it is. I love the fact that you mentioned about being like kicking down barriers and, and kicking down doors, right? Like that's, that's something that you want to do. You know, my daughter, like I mentioned earlier, uh, Sophie, she loves Bianca Belair and you know, it's, it's hard to imagine a time where she wasn't famous, but I know how probably difficult her struggle was to get to where she is to prove herself probably more times mm-hmm. over than anybody else should have to do. What would you say to little girls who are seeing the successes of Bianca Belair or Sasha Banks, or even some of the things that you have been doing lately on YouTube? Like, what would you, what would you tell them? Like, what would you tell yourself as a child looking back at all the things that you've been doing now? Like, what would you say to yourself? Wow. I would say, don't change. Don't change a thing about yourself. You're going to always have people to try to dim your light. And that's something that I've, it's, it's a hard thing to come to terms with. It's something that even now recently I've had to um, really sit with myself and think about the fact that there are people who don't want you to succeed. And it could be for a multitude of different reasons, but it has nothing to do with you. And I had to, I learned that later in life because I think when I was younger, as a lot of people, especially young girls, we tend to eat internalize things and we tend to, um, whatever people are project, projecting or could possibly project onto you, you internalize it and you take it personally. But honestly, don't take it personally because it has nothing, it has nothing to do with you. It has nothing. And even outside of wrestling, seeing what our country has been through just within the past, you know, with the pandemic and and we see uh, the riots happening in different cities, the different protests, you know, we're in a really we're in an intriguing time that I, and I, I heard this in a subway a few days ago, someone was talking about this and, and just by passing by, they said, um, you know, we're, this is kind of like, you know, we're kind of like back in the civil rights at like a new age civil rights era. If you think about it, some people, and I don't, I don't know. I don't know if it'll, if I, right. Maybe, right. I mean, That's look, whole- look, there's a lot of things that I feel like as a white guy, Right. I have seen a lot of things over the course of my lifetime that I have always known were terrible. Mm. People have said in my presence, I still get that a lot where people will say really shitty things and look at me and be like, oh, right. Like, dude, I don't subscribe to that. Like, I don't believe in what you're talking about. So to me, like this scenario is sort of driving everything back up, to be honest, like and as a as a guy who studied history in college, I don't really know if the civil rights movement ever really stopped. It just sort of kind of like it has as in everything has peaks and valleys. So now you take the civil rights movement and you add technology. I mean, think about it this way, right? Let's 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 sort of cap it. Right. Think about the fact that if those people, those bystanders hadn't been there while George Floyd was being knelt on for for eight and a half, nine minutes. What do you think the outcome would have been at that trial? And let's be real. Let's be real about that question because we don't, we don't know. We don't know what that answer is. So, so to sort of tack that back, I I don't know. And to continue your, your thought as well, I didn't mean to jump in, but the, the idea of that, I don't know if it's ever really stopped. Mm, mm. 
and I can I can agree with you with that. You know, a lot of things have been swept under the rug. I, and once again, going off on a tangent, but it's just I think it all relates because um, this show is made for tangents. So the floor <laughs> is yours, Candace. Go ahead. I think it all relates because even if I were to see myself, you know, it my me at eight years old. Um, I would still tell just what I was saying before, I would say, just don't give up and be strong too, because you're, you're always going to face obstacles, whether if it's based on my race, if it's based on my, you know, ethnicity, based on where I'm from, just being from America, which I have actually come across being someone that used to live abroad in the UK. I'll never forget. People would just like randomly, they'll, they would hear my accent and they just look at me like, Oh gosh, like the American. <laughs> and Thanks I a lot, like, oh, W. Right. And, um, and, but it's, it, that's a whole other, that's a whole other conversation, but, um, absolutely. I used to get that too. And it's, it's, you're going to face obstacles, no matter what you do, no matter what you look like, you're going, someone's going to not like you just based on superficialities. But I would tell the young me to, um, dive in and do exactly. I don't think I would change my journey to be quite honest to wrestling. Um, there have been times where I thought, Oh, I wish I could have gotten into it earlier, but to be honest, I feel like everything that I've done really has been ordained to lead me up to this point because I felt, I honestly felt prepared. The only thing that I needed to school myself on was the wrestling industry in and of itself um, and knowing certain parts of the history and, and really, and I do that still to this day, I'm still reading, it never stops. Just like you said, there's just, it's a universe. There's a lot um, that I will have to get to know. But um, I would just tell little me to like, the same journey, do the same thing, be interested in everything, be curious about everything, ask questions, and don't be scared to jump into rooms that weren't built for you, but don't be also scared to knock to knock down those doors. And, and, you know, with my height being as it is, I am not always knocking down. That's another thing that I, I never experienced people being so fascinated with my height ever, ever until I got into wrestling. It's really strange. Even coming, even being an actor, I just never, I'm 5'10 and people, it's just like, I mean, when I, the first day I went to a show and I was working a show, I remember someone asked me, oh, are you wrestling? Because they saw my height. They just <laughs> were like, are you wrestling? And I was no. like, no, I'm sorry to disappoint you today. <laughs> I'm, I don't just, know I'm holding the stick. Wrong. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. But yeah. It's so funny. I'm just like, yeah, I'm tall. What's the problem? It's amazing. People will find anything to stick, yeah. stick you with. And it's just, you got to just keep moving. That's, that's the only way to, to get ahead. And, and, you know, speaking of kicking down doors and, and things, projects, I want to talk about, I would be, I would be remiss not to mention <laughs> your work with global women's sports radio. Tell me more about that. Yeah. So that started off with me um, wanting to do another thing where literally another tangent in and of itself. So I went to Global Women's Sports Radio because um, I foresaw one place that I was working with, they were going through a lot of changes and I wanted to keep myself ahead of the curve. And to be quite honest, I was getting an opportunity to do more interviews um, where I thought just having them with one outlet isn't going to be enough. So I hit up a uh, global women sports radio. I was referred to them from a friend who also works with them. And uh, that transition was super smooth. And I started doing interviews for them. Um, I think that was, that actually was a few months ago. So uh, 
yeah, it started maybe in March, April. It's really weird to think that it started not that long ago because I, once again, I feel like I had been there for a year, but that's not, uh, and not in a bad sense, but I'm like, time this year was just, it's just been strange. But, um, that's understatement <laughs> so of the millennium, I mean, Candace, understatement yeah. of the millennium. You know, so I started working with them for a little bit and I was um, contacting wrestlers and, and getting an editorial calendar for myself. And then I was approached by um, one of the gentlemen that works for them. Uh, his name is John um, of John G's Beats. He has a really um, awesome YouTube channel too that's really popular actually. And uh, he approached me, he was like, yeah, I think that we could do like a really cool um, show, you and me, pay-per-view, uh, where we talk about um, different uh, promotions and the pay-per-views and give our predictions. So we recently called it Pinfalls, and we've only done two uh, shows. The first one um, was for uh, both WWE-related. Um, the first one, it's it's insane thinking about this because at the time I was like, it'll do good numbers. You know, it'll be fine. Like I have no doubt. The first video I think hit about 600. We're only literally talking about, we're just giving our predictions, but we each give our own opinions. It's really fun to do actually. The second one that we just shot recently um, for the most recent uh, WWE pay-per-view, um, I told him, I said, oh, it's going to almost hit a thousand. I just had a feeling. And sure enough, it has like 900 right now. So I said, yeah, John, we're going to keep doing this because I think we have something here. Yeah, <laughs> like, hey, once again, just utilizing yeah. my instinct, you know. Um, but it started off, yes, things started off where I was doing just the interviews. And now I'm exclusively going to just do uh, the pay-per-view and we're going to expand because I said I want to talk about AEW pay-per-views. If we can even do, you know, impact pay-per-views, let's just try to diversify and give our opinions of who we think are going to win and, and so forth and so on. Um, but yeah, I think that's, it's really fun to do. I like, I like doing it. I really like doing it. I'm trying to like mix things up. Um, but in terms of like the interviews itself, I'm definitely, there's so many other things in the works. Um, some things I can't talk about, but I, I'm really, really excited for what's to come. Um, but one of those things is PWI. Uh, I recently, I'm not even going to say her name yet. You guys will see uh, the video soon. There's a few people I've been um, setting up interviews with and Kevin's helping out. But one of them I recently shot and it's with someone who is in NXT. So I think folks are really going to pop for that <laughs> that is that is going to be an incredible and this is this is not just any nxt star yeah this yeah, is one I, of the at least as yeah. far as i'm concerned the nxt oh, star i agree i agree like um, it's it's this is going to be big folks so make sure you tune in i'll make sure i plug all of your socials on everything when it comes out to um i'm you. really excited i'm very excited for you candace and i love that you came onto the show to talk to me today about this and I, I am so happy to have you on. You are welcome to come back anytime. I would love to have you on. I would love to join you maybe sometime for a prediction analysis uh, as well. Yeah. Um, just as anybody that's listening out there who wants to find your stuff and wants to find out more about you, where can they find you? Absolutely. So I am on Twitter and Instagram. You can find me on Instagram at that girl Candace. That's spelled C-A-N-D-A-C-E one six um, sixteen. And you can also find me on Twitter at Candace Cordelia. Cordelia is C-O-R-D-E-L-I-A. And yes, I spell my first name with an A and not an I. That has been a topic of discussion. <laughs> <as well. laughs> Thank you very that much. Has been a topic of 
Yeah, yeah, you know, <laughs> but it's a good day. Um, but those are the two predominant places. I am on Facebook, but I really, I mean, I plug myself on Facebook and I keep it for like archival purposes and family and stuff, but I'm not really on there, on there. But Instagram and Twitter are the top two for me. So um, yeah, hit me up, check out everything that I'm doing with PWI. We have a lot of, we have a lot of cool interviews in store. Um, I'm constantly pitching to Kevin and I think you guys will love what we have coming up. It's going to be, I'm excited because these are people that I've wanted to interview for quite some time. Um, so I'm really excited to see what, what will come of these. interviews. <laughs> I can't wait to find but out. Yeah. I want to be as surprised as everybody else. So don't tell me here yet. I want to find oh, out. No. <laughs> Candace Cordelia, thank you so much for stopping by the show today. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Adam, anytime. And thank you guys for listening and thank you for your support. And my last thing I want to say to you, just to cap off, for um, anyone who wants to be in the wrestling industry, whether you want to do what I do, whether it's interviewing or what Adam does with podcasting, if you want to be a wrestler, if you want to be a manager, promoter, etc., cetera, um, my advice to you is to do it. Um, do as much research as you possibly can. Have your wits about you. Be smart. Uh, don't be afraid to ask questions and don't be afraid to fail. I think that's something that a lot of people, um, at least in my opinion, should be aware of. You're going to fail like, and just embrace it. And failure has so many different connotations to it. Failure can mean something completely different to you as it does to me. But whether it's a big quote unquote fail or a small one, don't be afraid to make mistakes. And if you do, just you have to keep going. You can't let that one mistake trip you up. You just have to keep going. But if you feel as though, you know, at some point you can't go anymore, just trust your instinct, take it as far as you can just take your dreams as far as you can possibly take them until you can't take them anymore. So that's my ultimate advice for you. I, uh, I am incredibly inspired by that because there's been times recently where I'm just like, why am I doing any of this? You know, <laughs> why am I, why am I still doing all this? Of all of this, everything I do, like all of this, this creative stuff. And I, I really needed to hear that. So thank you. I appreciate it. that's a great way to end the show here. So Candace Cordelia, thank you so much. Thank you. Foundation Radio is hosted, recorded, and executive produced by Adam Barnard. The show is also produced by Sam Kreps. Special thanks to Greg Mead, Joe Keen, Jeff Quinn, and Dr. Ruth Almy. Our intro and outro music is produced by Dumb Ugly. Find this episode and our full archive at foundationradio.net. Follow us on Instagram at foundation underscore radio. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your favorite podcasts. This has been a Foundation Radio production. Butts Carlton, proprietor. Proprietor.